Go ahead and grab your Bibles. Uh, we're going to be in John chapter 17 tonight. Um, my love, can you give me my water right there? I want to feed you back. Thank you, baby. Okay, John 17. So tonight I'm talking on responding to Jesus, okay? And oftentimes in life, uh, things are rarely kind of black and white, right? We usually in life you have something that kind of, most things kind of live in the gray area, the pseudo area between black and white. Um, But here's the thing. When it comes to responding to Jesus, it's very black and white. Because there's really two responses to Jesus. There's to reject him. You know, Jesus, what you say about me isn't true. What you say about yourself isn't true. You aren't the most satisfying thing in the universe. X, Y, Z is. I reject the claim of Jesus. Or you can respond to Jesus by worshiping him. Rejection or worship. Rejecting himself or rejecting him or ascribing the most worth to him. So tonight what I want to do is I want to talk about responding to Jesus with worship. Okay, so before we do, I'm going to pray for us. So would you join me in prayer? God, thank you for your grace. God, thank you for your presence. What a special time this is for us. Where we get to be together. It really does feel like a family reunion. I'm just overwhelmed with love for the people in this room. And I really think it's a glimpse, like a taste of the love that you have for all of us, for your sons and your daughters. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you really would, uh, you would minister to us tonight. Um, no talk in the world can accomplish what you can accomplish in just a moment. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would inspire us tonight, you would challenge us tonight, and you would pour your love into our hearts, the love of the Father for us. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so John 17. Uh, John 17, it takes place the night before Jesus was crucified. And here's the thing about John 17. John 17 is an absolute treasure for the Christian, okay? It's a treasure because the entire chapter is Jesus, and he's praying. He's praying to God the Father. And he begins that prayer by praying for himself, okay? He knows he's about to go to the cross the next day, okay? So he starts by praying for himself, and then he prays for his 12 disciples, right? And then... And the verses that we are going to go through tonight, Jesus actually prays for us. Jesus prays for you. Why are you laughing at me? <laughs> okay. But here's the thing. I, I want you to, like, I want that to sink in for just a second, okay? I want that to sink in the reality that Jesus prayed for you. Like the one we worship. The moment we center our lives around, like he prayed for you. He prayed for us, and it's recorded in scripture. So we're going to read that right now. Okay, John 17, we're going to read verses 20 through 23. This is Jesus praying to God the Father. He says, I do not ask for these only, that these only is the 12 disciples, okay? But also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. Every person who's ever come to Jesus post the disciples have heard because the gospel was presented and preached and brought to the nations through these 12 disciples, okay? But also for those who will believe in me through their word that they may all be one, listen to this, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us 
so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Verse 22. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Here's the thing about these verses, friends. For these verses to make sense, we have to personalize them, okay? Absolutely, they apply to the entire church. Past, present, future, the global church, Jesus is praying for those people, but here's the thing, okay? These are incredibly personal verses. Jesus prayed for you. If you're in Christ, he prayed for you. If if your trust and your faith is in Jesus, he prayed for you. And here's the thing. He prayed for something incredibly profound here, okay? Jesus is praying for oneness, okay? He prays for you and I to be one with each other, okay? And one with God. Now, does anybody know what happened on May 24th, 2009? I married Ebony Loke. It was a special day. I could still picture her in her dress. Um, she was glowing and beaming. I, on the other hand, forgot to get a haircut that day. I looked like a mess. But I can still remember that day. And it was a beautiful day because we made a covenant before God to each other. Like, it was intense. It was amazing. It was beautiful. And something very, very special happened that day. Something supernatural happened that day. Two people became one flesh. Not just physically. (laughs) Giggles. But spiritually. Okay, sex is a gift. We can giggle about it, but it's a gift. Two people became one flesh, okay? Friends, in John 17, Jesus prayed for oneness. Between you and the church and you and God himself. There's nothing more intimate than that. There's nothing more intimate than two becoming one. There's nothing more intimate than complete oneness. Are you tracking with me? I need, you guys better participate or I'm gonna stop preaching. Okay, yes, good, okay. So, uh, it's funny, I was talking with some of the crew for a second, like how many times are you gonna say you're tracking with me today? I was like, probably six or seven. <laughs> okay, so, Obviously, you know, we talk about worship. Worshiping God is something that should be integrated into every area of our lives. Absolutely, okay? But I want to focus in tonight on our corporate worship, okay? On singing and praising God together. It's very, very important. Uh, Do you realize what's happening when we praise and worship God together? Do you realize what happens when we, a collection of people with individual voices, lift up one voice to him? Jesus' prayer for oneness is realized, Think about that. Okay, when we praise and worship God together, his desire for you and the church and God to be one is fulfilled. I would argue there's probably nothing more important than that. And so oftentimes, I find myself going through the motions. I enjoy music. I actually enjoy singing. Not everybody does, but I find myself sometimes going through the motions of something that's intended to be highly intimate. Something that's intended to be really, really powerful. One of the things that I'm, I'm convinced of is that the vast majority of Christians, if not every Christian, we're seeking God's will for our life. Like, God, what do you want me to do? 
like this season of my life, uh, quit my job, start a new job, uh, marry this person, stay single, you name it, have kids, don't have kids, move to Africa, don't move to Africa, fill in blank. Like we have this desire, we're seeking God's will for our lives, we're seeking God's will for our churches. Here's what I propose to you tonight. God's will for restored church, God's will for you personally, his desire is that you would respond to Jesus by worshiping God together. It's really important. God's will is oneness, man. It's intimacy, it's unity with God and with others. So in the same way my oneness with Ebony is expressed in our marriage, our oneness as the church with God is expressed when we worship him together. Can I get an amen? Okay, thank you. All right, so I'm going to talk about two things. Uh, tonight we're going to talk about the effects of our worship and we're going to talk about the power of our worship. Okay, the effects of our worship. Go ahead and flip to Psalm 34. Psalm 34. Okay, I'm going to read it to you. Psalm 34, I'm going to read the first three verses. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Listen to verse three. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Okay, the word, the word exalt, it literally means to praise. Okay, and verse three, it tells us that when we praise God, something happens. Okay, you see what it is? Shout it out. Yes, he's magnified. When we praise God, he's magnified. Have you ever used a magnifying glass? Okay, not to like kill ants, but like a magnifying glass, right? What does it do? It, it helps you see things up close. It provides more detail. It helps you see things more accurately. Friends, when we praise God, he's magnified. Literally, he's magnified and we can see him more clearly. And when you see God more clearly, it has an effect on you, man. Like no matter who you are or what you believe, when you see God clearly, it has an effect on you. Um, recently, uh, Ebony and I sat with a woman in my home on my couch, um, and she, I'm not gonna get too specific, but she has been through a ton. Tons of pain, tons of brokenness, specifically, um, the way her mom has treated her has like severely affected the way that she sees God. Okay, like depression, anxiety, like severely, um, suicidal thoughts. I mean, guys, like, she was really, really struggling. I entered into that, that conversation with her. I'm like, oh boy. Like it's one of those moments as a pastor where your stomach sinks and you're like, God, if you don't do something, this is gonna be bad. She was... She was so broken, guys. And it was beautiful. Um, we had the privilege of telling her about how the cross of Jesus shows us what God is really like. About how the cross of Jesus, it magnifies God for us. She sat on my, my couch, guys, and she wept for an hour. Like there's a couple times when she just hunches over and she's sobbing. Because she'd been in the church for years. 
She believed that Jesus was God. She believed that Jesus died for her sins, but she said that in that moment, on her couch, was the first time in her life that she ever felt it. It was the first time in her life that she saw God up close. It was the first time in her life when he was magnified. Friends, when the people of God, when they praise and worship him, he is magnified. And when he's magnified, we see God more clearly, more accurately. And remember, there's two responses. Rejection, or getting caught up in worshiping him and his glory and his goodness and his grace and his mercy. It's so sad, man. Like the sin of this woman's mother had such an influence on her. It affected how she responded to God. She knew things about him, but it affected how she responded to those things. Because here's the thing, guys. If praise and worship, if it magnifies God, if it zooms in on what God is really like, sin zooms us out, man. Sin zooms us way out. It has a negative effect on our ability to see him clearly. But listen to me. I tell you this story because you and I are just like the woman who sat on the couch. Like, we've all been really affected by sin, man. Like, our sin and the sins of others. And sin has an effect on how clearly, how accurately we see God. So the truth is this. The truth is all of us, we regularly need to have God magnified. We regularly need to like zoom in again to see him clearly. Because when we see him clearly, when we see him accurately, we see his holiness. We get astonished like Brad was talking about. When we see Jesus clearly, when we see God clearly we see his holiness, we see his beauty, we see, we see how faithful he is, we see his unwavering love for us, we see the passion of our Savior that drove him to the cross to open his veins. His message wasn't just a message with words, it was a message with action that resulted in him being crucified, man. We see the fatherly heart of God, we see his grace. Friends, our corporate worship of him is really, really important. Because our worship testifies to the worth of God. Our worship testifies to how much God is worth, how much he matters. We can use our words all day long. God's amazing. Come, come check out the, how amazing this community is. But our worship not just in this place, but this place matters. Okay, not just when we corporately gather, but when we corporately gather matters. It literally testifies to the worth of God. So listen, every single time we gather, I live for this stuff. I live for being on retreats with the people I love more than anything, pressing into God, responding to Jesus. Every time we gather, we have an opportunity to, to literally declare the glory of God by the way we worship him. To be honest... Outsiders should be a little freaked out. They should be. They should be a little freaked out by our devotion. Because God is that flippin' glorious, man. He's that glorious. He's that worthy of it. I mean, at the very least, they should be intrigued. Like, oh, wow, these people are like, they really enjoy this Jesus guy. And they're singing to him as if he's in the room. So, in love, my friend, I want to ask you, restored churches, how worthy is God of your worship? 
How worthy is God of your praise? Let's make it personal, man. Did you know what the most frequent command in Scripture is? Some of you know this. Come on. Don't be afraid, absolutely. Do you know what the second most frequent command in Scripture is? Praise the Lord. It's interesting because in English we have one word for praise. It's praise, okay? In Hebrew, we have seven. So when you read praise the Lord in your Bible, it could be one of seven, seven different Hebrew words, okay? I heard this preached recently by this guy, John Tyson, and it, I'll be really quick with this, but it's really helpful. It like had a huge impact on me, okay? Uh, to save time, I'm just gonna go through these seven words really quickly because I think they're hugely valuable and they're really important to us, okay? Uh, I'm gonna give you some, 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 some lessons here on Hebrew. Uh, I can't say it very well, but it'll make sense. Tehillah is one of the seven Hebrew words for praise. It literally just means a hymn, a song of praise, even a spontaneous song. Okay, yada, praise, to revere or worship God with extended hands, to hold out your hands. Okay, halal, it's where we get the word hallelujah. It means to boast, to cheer, to celebrate. And not only that, but it, it like invokes this idea of laying aside your inhibitions and like killing your self-consciousness. So that basically means like not caring if you look foolish to other people. Okay, uh, zamar. The fourth Hebrew word for praise, zamar, to make music, to celebrate in song and music. Yeah, todah, a sacrifice of praise. It means you're giving up something. Okay, you're a sacrifice of praise. Thanks, this is crazy too. Thanksgiving for things not yet received. Okay, barak, to kneel. To commend glory and triumph. I'm sorry, no. To bless the Lord is an act of adoration. That's the kneel one. Barak is to kneel. To bless God is an act of adoration to salute. Uh, Shabak is to shout. To commend glory and triumph. So, as we go through those things, oftentimes people will be in church gatherings and things like that will happen. They'll be like, why is this happening? This kind of seems weird. It kind of seems like, like you're trying to put yourself out there like a way that you, look, you draw attention to yourself. What's happening? These are the seven Hebrew words of praise. And the second most frequent command in the scriptures is praise the Lord. So let me ask you again. Is God worthy of your praise? Is he worthy of you singing to him? Is he worthy of you lifting your hands to him? Is he worthy of you cheering and celebrating him and not caring? Not giving a rip what you look like? Is he worthy of you making music for him? Is he worthy of you bringing a sacrifice of praise to him? Is he worthy of you kneeling before him? Is he worthy of you joyously shouting to him? Is he worthy of your praise? My friend, only you can offer your praise to King Jesus. So here's the big takeaway, okay? When we worship, when we praise him together, God is magnified, right? And when God is magnified, he's seen, for, he's seen more clearly for who he truly is. Guys, do you realize what this means? It means when we praise and worship, to, it means when we praise and worship God together, people encounter the living God. And it, here's the thing, cool, the cool thing too, is it affects everybody who's present, right? It affects the outsider, it affects the weary Christian. It affects the happy Christian. And here's something else that's cool. The music doesn't even have to be good. You don't have to have for all seasons. The music doesn't even have to be good. I mean, that helps a lot, okay? Remember, God's the source of all the gifts, right? 
Guys, when God grabbed a hold of my heart, it wasn't because of a sermon. It was during, it was me witnessing the people of God praising and worshiping him. Listen to me, the music was terrible. It was so bad. But God was magnified. And I saw him clearly for the first time in my life. As an outsider, I encountered God through the praise and worship of God's people. And God saved my life. He transformed me. I remember uh, earlier this year, I think it was January when we were in Minneapolis, guys. Uh, who goes to Minneapolis in January? <laughs> we do. Uh, it was really cold. There's a handful of you guys were there. It was so cold. Okay, it was like negative zero, it was under zero, like sub zero. It was crazy. Negative zero. That doesn't make any sense. It was negative three. I'm really tired. <laughs> okay. Me yelling at you to like wake up and get your coffee was me self motivating. But either way, so we're at this we're at this conference in Minneapolis. It's cold and stuff. And, and I got to be honest, I was so pumped to be with some of my my favorite people in the world, but I was kind of weary. Um. Church planning is impossible, and it's hard, but it is a privilege, and it's amazing, and I, would, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't rather do anything else. But I was kind of weird. It was a season of difficult ministry, um, painful stuff, all that, right? And we're at this conference, and it wasn't, it was like a big conference, okay? So we're, you know, when, when, when someone speaks, there's like 5,000 people in the room, okay? It's, it's huge. So the worship times had all those people in there. And I remember walking in, it was one of the first sessions, I think, and <laughs> the music was lame. It was, it was such a letdown, and I'm like, and I know that sounds terrible, just you guys know my heart, it'll make sense in a second. It was so bad. It was like, people, were, people had really good intentions, which is awesome, but this is just my pride, I'm, I'm confessing to my pride. I was like, oh man, this is, this is a bummer. And I'm like sitting there, I'm like standing there, and, and I feel the Holy Spirit convince me. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I shouldn't be judging people. That's not okay. That's, that's messed up. And like, God, you're worthy of my praise either way. And I feel like the spirit of God says, just listen. So I'm like, okay. And I just stand there. And I'm like, just listen. And I'm listening to that room full of the saints singing to him and praising and worshiping their God. And I lost it. I just got overcome. Like, the spirit came on me. Like I literally just started weeping at God's grace for me and his patience for me and how gross my heart is. Like God was magnified. He was magnified. And I was overcome because my, the eyes of my heart saw him clearly, man. I encountered God as a result of the praises of his people. And here's the thing. As much as a minute earlier I couldn't stand the music, I couldn't help but sing his praises. I couldn't help but get caught up in worship right along with him. Friends, many times in my life, even as a pastor, I can get weary and I need to hear you praise him. I need to hear you sing to him. I need to have him magnified. I need to be reminded of his infinite worth. I need to encounter him through the praises of his people. My friend, you need it too. Guys, not only does our worship affect the outsider and the weary, the weary Christian, listen to me, it affects our kids. Um, I read a study recently called The Great Opportunity. 
Um, and basically it says that the, if the current trends continue, listen to this, in the next 30 years, 42 million American children will leave the church. But if we return to the retention rates for children like we saw 20 years ago in the church, this is what it says, quote, more people will be saved than during both great awakenings the African-American church growth after the Civil War, the Azusa revivals, and every Billy Graham conversion combined. Friends, when our children see how much God is worth to us, when they witness our praise to him, our devotion to him, guess what? God is magnified. And when God is magnified, we will encounter him. We will see him more clearly for who he truly is. Our kids need to witness our worship, friends. The weary Christian needs to witness our worship. The world needs to witness our worship. And more than that, he's worthy of it. Friends, our praise and worship is incredibly important. Okay, I'm almost done here. The power of our worship, my last point. The power of our worship. Uh, Can I just say, like, I love our churches, man. Like, I genuinely say that in all honesty. I absolutely love our churches. Like, I know I'm biased, but our churches are really special. God has, God's been very kind to us. Andy alluded to it earlier about people like, hey, what's going, like, can you help us? Legitimately, we want to be obedient to him. What, what do you want us to do, Lord? Like, that's literally, the, that's the formula, I think, <clears throat> if there is one. But honestly, like, our churches are special. I love our churches. But hear me say this. Not everybody loves our churches. Just so we're clear, there is an enemy. There's an enemy who opposes God and he opposes God's people. There's an enemy who hates our churches. He's like literally at war against us. It's interesting, there's a story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I'm gonna read it to you in just a second. But 2 Chronicles chapter 20, it's about like, the enemies of God's people, and they're about to invade, right? So God's people, they're about to be under attack by their enemies, and the people of God, they cry out to him in prayer, okay? And God, through the prophets, he says, basically, don't be afraid, okay? And then he says, tomorrow, go out against them. I'll be with you, okay? And he also says, it's not your battle to fight, but mine, Okay? I want to pick up here in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. This is verses 20 through 23. I'm going to read out of the Christian Standard Bible. It's one of my favorite translations. Uh, yeah, thank you, sir. You know if you get a Brad Sarian endorsement on anything that has words in it, you're, you're good to go. <laughs> okay, so uh, 2 Chronicles 20, 20 through 23. The people of God under attack. The crowd to God. Okay, listen to this. Verse 20. In the morning, they got up early and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they were about to go out, Jehoshaphat, he's the king, stood and said, Hear me, Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. Listen to this, verse 21. Then he consulted with the people and appointed some to sing for the Lord and some to praise the splendor of his holiness. When they went out in front of the armed forces, they kept singing. Get the picture here. They kept singing this. Give thanks to the Lord. For his faithful love endures forever. Verse 22. The moment they began their shouts and praises, the Lord set an ambush against all these people, that's their enemies, um, who came to fight against Judah. 
and they were defeated. Okay, verse 23, uh, the Ammonites, the Moabites turned against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, and listen to this, and completely annihilated them. The people of God are at war with their enemies, and they go into battle singing and praising him. Friends, not only does our worship magnify God, but our worship is warfare against the enemy who wants to destroy us. The enemy who wants to deceive us, who wants wants us not to walk in faith, not to trust in God and what he's promised us, that he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us and that he's with us. He wants us not to see God clearly. He wants us to believe lies about God, that God isn't trustworthy, that God is absent, that God doesn't care about what you're going through. He doesn't care about the details of your life, that God's annoyed or disappointed with you. Lies. And when the people of God believe the lies of the enemy, what happens? We get anxious. We become afraid and worried and we get depressed and discontent and the next thing you know we're apathetic and we're numb and we're isolated the exact opposite of oneness and unity friends worshiping and praising God together is our secret weapon man it's our secret weapon to defeat the lies of the enemy our praise and worship it disarms anxiety It disarms fear. It destroys worry. It gets rid of depression. It eliminates apathy. Because he's magnified. And we see him clearly. And if we see him clearly, and we see his grace clearly, we see ourselves clearly. As the beloved, chosen, adopted sons and daughters that we are. I mean, like seriously, even this week, like I found myself, like, I don't want to get, I don't want to exaggerate. I wasn't overcome with worry, but I was worried. Like the last, I'm going to just kind of share about your pain and stuff. Um, I just did. <laughs> I'm, I'm learning them soon, right? Uh, so like the last several weeks, Ebony's had these like random, mysterious pains in her body. Um, and it's bizarre. And... I don't even know how long ago. She goes into urgent care. It was a Sunday night after gathering. She goes into urgent care because it was the point where it was like, okay, you have to go in and get this checked out. So she goes into urgent care um, and they take like a swab of, of something and, and they you know, send it in the lab. So we're waiting. We're waiting for the results of this test. I want to know what's up with my girl. And, um, and we get a voicemail uh, we have the gospel community over, over at our home usually on Tuesday nights. And we see that there's a voicemail on her phone and it's like 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night. We'd missed the call, right? There's a voicemail on her phone and the voicemail went something like this. Um, Hi, this is so-and-so from the urgent care or whatever. Um, we need you to call us about the test results. So call us kind of thing. And I'm like, I can vaguely hear it as she's listening to it. And my heart just go, like my stomach actually just like in knots. Um, if I'm honest, my biggest fear in the world is losing her. It says a lot about how immature I am sometimes, but like genuinely, it's like my biggest fear. Um, and I remember, I just like, I got afraid. I was like, God, please. 
So I like, I go into a room in my house and I, like, I just, I didn't know what to do. I'm like, I recognize I'm afraid. I'm like, this is not okay. I can't, like, this is not okay. And I put my, my headphones in and I pull up my worship playlist and I just push play. And I just sat there. And I listened and I listened and I listened. And as I heard the voices on those recordings, as I heard them praising God, God started to become magnified in my heart. I started to see him clearly again. And the next thing I know, I just got caught up in worshiping him too. I began to praise him. And as I began to praise him, guess what happened? The fear began to leave. Because the perfect love of my Jesus had cast out all fear. The circumstances of my life, the circumstances of your life, they do not have power over you. Jesus is an authority. The fear began to leave because I started to believe the truth again, man. I started to believe that God is infinitely wise and he's infinitely good and he loves me and he loves my wife and the cross is proof. No one can take that away from me. Friends, our worship is warfare against the enemy who's trying to convince you of lies about God and lies about you. What you believe determines your behavior. I'm gonna call the band up and close with this. Um, just observing our time today, it's been such a joy for me. Like I said, I really do live for these kinds of things, especially with you. But one of the things I'm convinced of I'm praying, uh, praying for you and praying for our time today and prior to today is I'm convinced that some of you, uh, I'm convinced that many of you, like you need an encounter with God. You need an encounter with God. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna magnify him. We're gonna praise and we're gonna worship God together. And hear me say this really quickly. Like the goal of this talk tonight was not to manipulate you. It's not to manipulate you into like manufacturing a worshipful response, okay? I believe with every fiber of my being that God is calling us as a family of churches into deeper devotion to him. That's where the ship's going. Deeper devotion to him. Deeper levels of intimacy with him. Deeper levels of oneness with each other and with him. So my goal is not to manipulate you, but here's the thing. You need to know what's at stake, man. You need to know what's at stake. You need, to know the, you need to know the opportunity that's in front of you every single time our churches gather. It's an opportunity to magnify the most beautiful, the most worthy, the most valuable thing in the world, and that's God. So here's what I want to do as we go into worship. I'm going to ask you to stand. We time to kneel or whatever later. Ask you to stand now. I'm asking you to close your eyes, not to be overly spiritual, but that so that you can genuinely start to focus your attention onto something other than you. Okay? So go ahead, close your eyes. And I want you to think about the cross. 
ponder and meditate for just a moment on the cross. about how intentional God was in displaying his love for you. yourself how worthy is God of my praise I'm going to pray for us Holy Spirit come Spirit, come. I'm a finite man. I can do nothing apart from you. But I can't pray the same prayer that Jesus prayed. I pray for oneness. I pray for the oneness that Jesus prayed for. I pray that it would be realized when we praise and worship you together. I'm not satisfied, Jesus. I want more of you. You've been teaching me a lot about being discontent in my life, Father. And I receive that as your fatherly love and affection, but I'm discontent. I want more of you. I want more of your presence in my life. I want more awareness of your grace that covers me. I want more of your spirit to empower me to be just like my King Jesus. And Father, my prayer is that this retreat would be a mile marker for our family of churches. That things would not be the same. Our intimacy, our devotion, our expressing of our praise and our worship and our adoration to you would go deeper and would mean more at a heart level. And Father, I pray that our worship would testify to anyone and everyone who sees it just how valuable you are. You're so worthy. You're so holy. You're so kind and you're so present. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to magnify our King, and we're going to do it together with one voice in unity. And I want you as much as you can to understand what's happening spiritually, why you do what you do. Because it's power. It magnifies Him, and the enemy flees. And we get to experience the freedom and the joy of the gospel, of being beloved sons and daughters, who get to respond to Jesus, not with rejection, with worship.
the very thing we were created for, the very thing that will satisfy the deepest longings of your soul. So here's what I'm gonna challenge you with tonight, friends. Uh, we're gonna open it up for ministry in maybe 10, 15 minutes, but in this moment now, we're gonna, we're gonna praise him. And I wanna challenge you to praise him in a way you haven't offered him praise before. I'm gonna challenge you to give a sacrifice of praise. Something that may, maybe makes you feel like, I don't know if the people around me are looking at me. I don't want you to look at the people around you yet. You can listen to them, but I don't want you to look at them yet. I want you to fix your eyes. I want you to turn your eyes to Jesus. Because he's worthy, and he loves you. And we'll see what the Spirit of God does to us in time, okay? I love you guys very much. Enjoy him.